Live from the RM Studios in Tustin, California, at the crossroads with Gabriel and Lee. Yeah, Theodore Roosevelt, supposedly, when he was in office, he was reading one book a day. I mean, granted, they didn't have telephones or they might have telephones, but they didn't have like TVs, radio at that point. So he was flexing, so to speak, that he was reading one book a day. I want to say I believe that. He's kind of a weird guy. Very interesting, but kind of weird. It's funny because... I think I had his autobiography on in my um, Safe for Later in, in, in Amazon. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, I took out the auto- autobiographies that I did have in there. Although, I, are you a, a, a big autobiography guy, uh, buff reader? Not a buff, but I, I do find them interesting. I do, you know, if, especially if it's an uh, interesting historical character. Like Winston Churchill would be a good one. Obviously, uh, Mein Kampf. <laughs> Have you read Mein Kampf? Not necessarily autobiography, but certainly getting into the thoughts of Adolf Hitler. No, I haven't. I don't know if I will, to be honest. I think it would be interesting, too. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we know the end result of that, of those thoughts or meditations. But, I mean, it would certainly be interesting to figure out and get in. And dissect because I from people that I know that have read him I've heard that his style of articulation his style of um, convincing people he's really good at it very persuasive persuasive there you go that's the word I'm looking for in there somewhere yeah he's he was very uh, persuasive I guess I mean, it's funny because we look at him now. A lot of people, especially like comedians like Norm Macdonald, he'll say something like, yeah, like, like you ever heard uh, Adolf Hitler and his speeches? He's like, he was a silver-tongued devil. He's like, especially in German, you know. He's, like, <laughs> he's just, you know, shouting everything at you. And he's like, it sounds really rough, but he's like, those Germans, like it really convinced him, I guess, because... You know, he had these ideas to make Germany, you know, a certain way. He certainly got the crowds going, that's for sure. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that. Only because we think about... That's all right. Listeners will get to listen to all the wonderful sounds in our makeshift studio here. Low budget. Um, no, but it's funny how we... This idea of being presidential and, and the critiques you know, thrust upon our, our current sitting president as it as it stands today. Donald J. Trump. Donald J. Trump. And, you know, say what you want about him and the process that's going on currently. But I think what's interesting is that we have this critique of, or there is this critique about him not being presidential and the way he communicates is very piecemeal and it can kind of be vulgar at, at moments, but he's very funny and, and um, you know, especially when he's at his rallies and whatnot, but if if that's the case, wouldn't that be a good a good uh, argument against him being Hitler or some dictator? Given that, like you said, Adolf Hitler 
was quite persuasive or even Norm, Norman MacDonald was creating a, a, a bit about it mm-hmm. and just how appealing he was to the crowds and was able to, I mean, in some sense, I think Trump does that as well, is able to feed off the crowd and the cheers and the and the, the size and, and whatnot. But in, in that, in this way, it, it, you, you have a double-edged sword in that, okay, well, do you say he is a dictator but then you say he doesn't know how to communicate well or do you say he communicates well and is not a dictator you know it's it's really fascinating how we we attribute i mean it's natural right we want someone any leader any speaker to speak eloquently that's that's the point for me and joining toastmasters is that it's a, a skill set it's a challenge to go up and speak in front of people it's the number one fear i believe people would rather die than speak in front of people no they would rather yeah you're right yeah yeah sorry yeah they for whatever reason that's a bigger fear than than most which is kind of funny because i've always just seen it as like a talent like something that's cultivated and something you practice something that you know you spend time doing yeah yeah i mean there's certainly that there's certainly that aspect. There's certainly uh, an innate ability, I'm sure. Right. So there's a natural mm-hmm. tendency, probably. Yeah. Some people are just they're just better off. Like they're quick thinkers, or their vocabulary's uh, pretty good. And yeah, it makes sense. I mean, some people are just the better fit. Yeah, it's funny because. There's two parts to our meetings. There's one where we are speaking, I say off the cuff, but it's, um, what is it? I forget what you call that. Improv. Mm-hmm. And there's that portion of the meeting, but then there's also a prepared speech that there's two, usually there's two prepared speeches. So you've spent time thinking it through, writing it down, preparing between five to seven minutes. And in hopes that you've put together a well-constructed speech and, you know, it's it's all culminated into this moment where not only are you speaking verbally with words, but you're also moving. You're also minimizing your hand gestures, your your meeting, uh, you're creating some vocal variety, your your tone, your demeanor, your eyes should be making contact with the audience's eyes and you know there's a lot of moving pieces a lot of various elements to speaking and i mean that's a lot of work it's it's a really daunting task and it's just interesting yeah i mean there you think of the orators that we know of today and there's definitely different elements to it like i've always seen it as I think some of them are really good salesmen. Some of them are really good BSers. Some of them are really good actors. Some of them, you know, some of them are witty. Some of them can be uh, funny as well, easily relatable. It's funny because I think about comedians and how they're literally putting themselves in a vulnerable situation. 
and it, and it reminds me of this comedian that Monica and I saw maybe like three four months ago and at one point he said wow like this is the most uh, vulnerable story I can be telling you all like random strangers he's never met in his life and his point was he didn't get the energy from the crowd that he was hoping for mm-hmm. I don't know what exactly but you know you can I don't know if you, I don't know if well, you've been I, to a, yeah I remember uh who did Joe have on not too long ago? But they're saying that, yeah, when they're writing, essentially when they're writing their jokes, they see it going a certain way. But that doesn't, that's not always the case. That doesn't always pan out because you might do, a, let's say, for example, you might do a six o'clock show or six a set at six o'clock, six o'clock. But it's a, because it's a different crowd, it's an earlier crowd they're going to respond a little differently mm-hmm. uh, versus say them going up on stage at 11. So when they're up there at 11, then it's a more relaxed crowd. They're not uh, hungry, you know, maybe um, some of them might be a little bit more intoxicated than the, you would be maybe. at six o'clock. Yeah. A little bit more so, than the minimum. Yeah. So a lot of them, they're just a looser, it's a looser crowd. So they're a lot more, um, I guess giving in that sense of the, as far as energy is concerned and attention. Yeah. I mean, it, it's certainly something I've always, I don't want to say always like, like I'm some six year old man. It's certainly something that I've been interested in <laughs> <laughs> and at times have thought about exploring that, but because it's, yeah, essentially, I mean, all they're doing when they're doing stand up, all they're doing is expressing their ideas whether yeah. that's a story, whether that's an observation, uh, or what have you, an anecdote, um, all it is is an exchange of ideas. But it's it's obviously a lot more um, entertainment involved. There's a lot more inter- entertainment involved. There's uh, obviously humor, but that makes sense that they're supposed to try and relate to you as much as possible. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where. I find fascinating in, in regards to Jordan Peterson's perspective and how he looks at it as a conversation that's, that's happening, a dialogue between him and the crowd. He is not speaking to, right, but speaking that. with. He, yeah, he's, what do you say that he, he tries and he try, even though if it's a dark room, a dark uh, theater or venue, he does try and focus in on the first few rows of people. And to see their body language, their facial expressions, where their eyes are, where he's trying to, he's trying to get a better understanding of whether or not they're connecting with, with what he's saying. I think I remember him saying something along those lines. Yeah. And I mean, I know for a fact that that is the best advice you can give anyone speaking in front of people. Because what you do is you stop paying attention to yourself and you start paying attention to them. And I think at that point, you almost you almost allow, you know, from kind of tying it into what we're, we're discussing in this podcast is it, it, it essentially allows the logos to manifest in mm-hmm. in your in your words or. Or manifest in in those moments, and it you're able to hone into that, and I think that 
in that way you're able to not you know feel so pressured to perform or say anything enlightening if you will but just kind of right. you're, you're looking to see and then whatever it is whatever it is that's in you and, and however the logos is working then I think that's where and you're hope you're hoping that that's where you can if it's not if it's not something that's that's prepared but something that you're doing like a live event or you're presenting ideas similar in fashion to Peterson and I think that's that's where the real magic happens in a lot of ways you're not trying to get that win or whatever the case may be I think they, and I think that's where we see in the debates they're trying to get that 10 second just zinger or what win <laughs> I was gonna say why is it it seemed like or it feels like there's at least two debates every single month is that just me I mean I know it's not that many it's not feels that like many it. Many debates but man it just seems like it's always in the news yeah I mean there's certainly a lot of interesting interesting things happening in our politics you know, I saw that Bernie Sanders was having a concert with Childress Cambino or Donald Glover in L.A. Oh, did you hear that? Nope. Yeah, I don't know. It's something rubbed up against the mic. No, that was my throat. Oh, it was like an internal burp. Sorry. Yep. All right. Sorry, folks. This is this is it. This is the show. So, yeah, it was. You know, th- there's those sorts of events happening, and then you have, um, whatever happening on the periphery. With the different factions within both areas, liberal, conservative, and it's just so fascinating. And and even in in conversations around you know the holidays or anyone wanting to commun- wanting to to celebrate Christmas, right? I think there's you know you can say there's a tax on this tradition of Christmas and. People want to say happy holidays to be more inclusive and, you know, happy Hanukkah and whatever else that's happening. And then there's obviously the debates around, well, was it was Jesus really born around this time? And, you know, this is and that. And but then the day like they want to get rid of religion and, and don't believe in. So you have that to figure out. Right. Are you are you saying to to Christians that we should make Christmas Christian again? Is that what I'm saying? That's a good question. That's what I'm hearing. Let's spend the next two hours talking about this. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's funny because I've been um, going through those books. Um, what is it? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and... The Gospels. The Gospels. And you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but Matthew, Mark, Luke... The first four or five books in the New Testament is essentially a reiteration of the story of the birth of Christ from different the, individuals. Well, Matthew and Luke are the ones that are a little bit more in detail, or I should say that they actually cover the birth of Christ. I don't believe Mark does. John... I don't think John does either, but if it does, it's very brief from what I can remember. Yeah, so the first 
few is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Yeah. And so right now I'm in Luke. So yeah, it would okay. only be Matthew, Mark, and Luke that are talking about the birth. Uh, so you you did read Mark, and it does it does mention it. Yeah. Okay. It's like a. It's 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 in. I mean, I can. Because I just remember Matthew and Luke being very detailed, whereas they, like for example, in Mark, they, Mark doesn't cover the genealogy. Yeah, so Matthew covers the genealogy, Mark covers the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then Luke covers kind of like the big bigger picture that was happening, mm. I think, is how it looks like. Well, it's yeah, it's gonna because there are there are some chapters and verses, I believe, in Matthew and Luke, and then in Mark and Luke, that are essentially the same. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, yeah. that's what I noticed, and I thought no. I was going crazy for a second. No, so I guess one way to look at one way to look at the Gospels is. We were just talking about biographies. So, whoa! in a sense, their biographies written by, well, two of them written by people that had an eyewitness account of what was going on. And then that's, that's uh, Matthew and John. And then Mark. Well, we won't, we won't um, bring the witnesses until later on, in, later the, on? in the story. We're going to hold on to that? Yeah. No, and We've never met them, by the way. <laughs> And Mark, Mark and Luke are essentially secondhand accounts. More, more, yeah, so they're they're obviously at one point or another they're filling in the gaps using verses from uh, verses chapters from Matthew or from John. Where, um, like I said, Matthew and John are more firsthand accounts of what these men saw. Shout out to uh, the angel Gabriel. Cool guy. Being a part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's definitely it's definitely a part that like I said, at least for me, like making making Christmas Christian again, which can be a little difficult when we realize that the the original holiday for Christmas for Christmas or for December 25th, you know, it's also related to the winter solstice. Right. The beginning of the, it's not the Gregorian calendar, but I do remember the Romans, I believe, I believe it was the Romans, maybe it was something that they borrowed from the Greeks because you know how that's how, they, they kind of like took took everything they yeah from the from the Greeks but uh I believe that their originally winter was like the mark for the beginning of the year of the new year and then I forget which Caesar he's the one that changed the calendar just completely yeah and then from him it was the I believe it was the Gregorian monks Greg, Gregorian Greg, monk? Gregorian, I believe so. I might might have that backwards, but I do remember. Yeah, one changed. I mean, because you know how 
I, mean, I guess that makes sense in this case. Because you know how, like, Chinese New Year, it's always, like, at the end of February, I think? I was going to say June, but, wow, no, I'm not, off. It can't be that far. No, yeah, that makes sense. But, yeah, so, like, the, the Greeks, the Romans, they had their own. Chinese have their own. I know, like, uh, the Vietnamese have their own, too, I believe. It's, like, a little bit after the Chinese. But then you also have the Jewish traditions. Right. Hebrew traditions, there obviously theirs is different too. Um, but I do remember, I do remember the f- fact that with was it Constantine, he's one of the the first Christian uh, Caesars. He's the one that com- essentially combined Roman paganism with. Christianity, essentially adopting Christianity as the official church of the state and in order to incorporate the old or more familiar pagan religions, traditions, what have you, he incorporated that with Christianity, hence why the birth of Christ celebrated on December 25th and not, and not when some historians some historians will pinpoint it more towards uh, March, April, beginning beginning of the Jewish New Year, which is Nisan. That's the name of the first month. Okay, so in Scripture, do we have an idea? There's no way of knowing, right? Actually, we do. Okay. Uh, what I mean is like that; those calendars are different from our calendars. Right, that's why that's why I was talking about the Gregorian. That's, that's the, okay, so that's the the, Caesar, kind of the Caesar's calendar. Yeah, so they they um, if I get if I believe if I get this right, I believe the Roman the Roman calendar, the Gregorian calendar, it's centered around the Earth's rotation around the Sun, whereas the Jewish calendar, it's it or the Jewish year. It's centered around the moons, hmm. the, the season, like the not the seasons, but the what am I looking for? The moons, uh, phases. Yeah, like there's new moon, right? Waning. So that's why, like with uh, crescent. I don't know if you notice if you ever notice how Easter it doesn't fall on the same or on the same time every year because it has to do with. An X amount of months, months, an X amount of moons at the beginning of the year. So it's like, I believe it's like the way Passover works. I believe it's after three full moons or something like that. Then it's Passover. That's how, that's how the, the Jews, that's how they mark after January 1st or however it is. Or after, it might be seasonal, but any, anywho. No, well, real quick. I believe it is in Genesis when the stars were created to determine the seasons, right? So it was it was said to that effect. Yeah. When God was creating the universe, he said or yeah, God created the the stars to to keep track of seasons. I think it was something to that effect. So that it makes sense because then if we think about other cultures that's pretty much how everyone kept track of time and yeah. whatnot so right as a, as a means to record 
um, time to record the years. Aside from, you know, no a navigation. Not in nautical terms, like they use the stars as well to help navigate at night. Um, what else am I thinking of? Anywho, sorry. No, I just wanted to point that out. That it's nothing out of the ordinary to do so. No, it's not. Because then we, when you think of the the night sky, you think of um, astronomy, astrology. With uh, what's your sign, bro? <laughs> with uh, the story of Daniel, if you've already covered Daniel, it's gonna say that he he essentially became the uh, official leader of the wise men of Persia, where he you know he was in captivity, obviously, but at the time, because of the understanding, because of the insight. That, that God trusted him with the authority to interpret de- interpret dreams and what have you. Oh, that's right. This was uh, yeah. um, yeah, the story of Daniel. He was imprisoned, not by his brothers, right? Or was no? That's that's Joseph. That's Joseph. Yeah. So Daniel was after. The, I don't know if you remember reading about the exile of Israel. I believe so. Yeah, because remember, Eliseo points to the no, the notion or the idea that. For every year that Israel or the the Hebrew people did not observe the the seven years of rest is essentially that that was a mark for how many years they were going to be in captivity. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I believe it was seventy, mm-hmm. it was seventy years. So throughout that that time, like the last prophet of of Israel, or one of the last prophets of Israel, that. That was around before the captivity was Jeremiah, and then from Jeremiah we get um, goes into the story of Daniel, Daniel and in captivity, right? Yeah, because the king went to him, or there was a magicians, and he he wanted them to interpret his dreams, but right. then only Daniel was able to because the word of God or God spoke to him about these dreams, and right, that's how the king knew. I think you're th- you thought of Joseph because he had the similar the similar gift, uh, interaction, gift, yeah, gift, gift, a similar yeah. authority, yeah. yeah. Which is, I mean, I just gotta say, ever since I started to get delve dive, delve dive, delve into, dove, huh? You started delving into the delving interpretation into, of dreams. That book, yeah, especially young Freud. Freud, I that one's really hard. I gotta get back to that one. But ever since I started to to understand it. From that perspective, I think it's helped me understand the scriptural um, basis of dream interpretation. Or yeah, mm-hmm. because obviously there's a deeper archetypal story being played out in obviously right the Bible. The scripture is mm-hmm. deeply archetypal, but also just deeply there's a lot of a deep meaning in within each of these topics if you want to call it that but yeah I I think it's just so fascinating how there's an argument I forget which book that says we've gotten so far away from our dreams because our dreams are able to tell us things that our conscious mind is not because in that dream state it's it's the unconscious speaking to our conscious mind Mm -hmm. telling us if you will what, what is God 
I think there's that argument that uh, I believe that God can speak to us through our dreams, right? Obviously, there's that. And we've gotten so, what is it? Like detached? Detached from that, that we, we, we ignore. And, I, and I, I wonder if that's the reason why many people are not able to remember dreams. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I think I've, over time, I've made a, a stronger attempt at trying to remember. And I certainly can bring to mind a, a few, you know, now at this point. But yeah, I, I just wanted to, to kind of take the time to talk about that only because I think it's an important source of information that we're not utilizing enough. And I don't know if it's because we're afraid of it only because we don't understand it enough well enough right yeah and and there's no one really to say like like in daniel or in joseph no one's really has that gift and maybe they do and it's just not being used utilized right no yeah I, i i have met people that at least they were able to interpret their own dreams and the dreams of people like you said people that were willing to share um, but I do, yeah, I do remember, I forget who was saying, who was listening to, but yeah, essentially you mentioned the subconscious, subconscious mind. So dreams can be, they can be a tool where our subconscious mind is bringing things at the forefront of our minds. Mm-hmm. Like you said, maybe it's something that we're ignoring or it's something that we're not we're not giving any attention or focus focus to, but they can. And I, I do believe that, um, I do believe that both the enemy and God himself can use dreams. I don't, I don't think it's just like one or the other. I think, I think there are occasions where people can, cause then, because then I know that some people will say, well, how, how do you explain nightmares? How do you explain the fear that a, mm-hmm. a, a terrible dream will induce, you know, sometimes it could be seen as a warning, but there are other times where, where dreams, <laughs> dreams get really crazy and, you know, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I definitely see the two sides of it. But just in, in that whole idea, it's, it's fascinating that, these were kings that were kind of putting themselves out there. If you think about it, but also knowing that how important it was for them to understand these dreams, like well, there was that, that understanding, right? Yeah. Well, I, I think that might have a lot to do with just the, the culture, the cultural norms, norms or the cultural differences where today it's not really, it's not really frowned upon for people that are are not theists. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you're not if you're not a theist, if you're you know you don't have any god or any sense of faith, so to speak, or conscious faith, practicing faith, then it would make sense that they're going to be a lot less open to an interpret like you're saying an interpretation of dreams. They might just see it as well. That's just you know, that's just folklore, or that's just 
superstition. You know, I don't believe in superstition. And so I think going back to the old kings, the ancient kings, there was no such thing as a as an atheist or you know, everybody had a god. Everybody, you know, they still had, even though they may or may not be believer in, in the one true God I, th- I still think they had one form or shape or another at some point or another they had to have respect for the God of the Israelites because like even with the the battles that Moses had with Pharaoh or the, we're talking about Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar that at some point like God broke he broke their minds every time I heard that word Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. I could always think. I always thought about the Matrix. Matrix, the name of the ship. Yeah. I, I never could. It just kept popping in my mind. The Matrix. The Matrix. The Matrix. Because well, it it um, what do you call it? Because the Matrix has a lot of some. What is it? Symbology. Yep. Symbolism. Symbolism. Symbology. Wow. Symbology. The study of symbols. Running on fumes here, folks. Uh, so it's great. So with the Matrix. You know, you've probably seen the memes, but there are people that say the Matrix was a documentary. It wasn't a science, a sci-fi action flick. No, it was a documentary, and some people believe, yeah, we're 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 in a since we're in the technological revolution of the 20th century into the going into 21st century, we. We're essentially programmed by television. We're programmed by the media. We're programmed now by our smartphones, by the internet. And so a lot of people are going to look towards something like the Matrix and say, oh, that's there's just a lot of symbolism there. Because even if, uh, if you look further into, like, you know, Nebuchadnezzar being the king of, of Babylon, uh, Babylon. Babylon, scripturally speaking, was always referred to as that one great kingdom that was opposed to God or the things of God. So even, for example, um, gosh, who was it? Not just Peter, but it was there were several writers of the New Testament that when they make references to Rome or they make references to Caesar instead of using because they I mean they would write letters they would write notes and at one point or another they were obviously in fear of or concerned with um, all that being confiscated being read being looked at so for example um, one of the the ones that they used was we're talking we're talking literally about Babylon but the people that were that would read it that were more familiar with the the Jewish scriptures or the Hebrew scriptures would understand the significance of Babylon and what it meant. So Babylon always symbolizes the like I said, the higher power of governments, the world the the leading world power at the time, or at any point in time. It's it's Babylon. And cause even um for example with like some historians have have credited when when John in, Revel, in the book of Revelation when John is referring to the mark of the beast and the 666 that he's actually referring to 
It's more specifically to at the king at the time when, or the emperor at the time, Caesar was Nero. Hmm. So, and again, like since we're what two thousand years later, if we're talking in code, people that don't have a biblical understanding, we could use Nero, we could use Rome, we could use Caesar as as that sort of figure that that they would use to to describe you know and describing Babylon and describing Nebuchadnezzar. So yeah, it's. I don't know how Bab- Babylon in particular. I don't remember exactly everything from the Matrix, but I don't no, remember if Babylon yeah. plays into the picture. But yeah, it's all about the energy source in the Matrix too, right? But they were essentially. Uh, I don't know if slaves is the right word, but they were being harvested. Yep. Right. So. And that's the same. You can see that in a lot of things today too. That our times being harvested, our money, our energy, attention, efforts, what have you. Because even with, um, it's funny talking about Trump. You said you mentioned something about Trump earlier that got me thinking. Oh, about how I view Trump nowadays or how I'm starting to understand his significance, his role in I guess our country and in our time. But uh just don't um don't what? Don't mention, don't uh upset Christian today. Christianity today? Christianity oh today. yeah. That That's a that, whole different we can get to that. Okay, in but a okay, bit, but yeah. speaking okay, but speaking about being Programmed or being nudged to think a certain way, so and that goes for both sides, right? Politically speaking, in the spectrum, on the spectrum. So if you're 100 percent behind Fox News or you're 100 percent behind something like Christian Today or whatever media source, if you're 100 percent behind them and everything that they stand for, it's going to be really hard for you to think independently. It doesn't matter. Like I said, it doesn't matter what side. Does it matter um, who you're looking for or, to, or towards? Because, like for I guess for Christians or for I guess speaking for myself as a Christian, like I'm, I'm prone to say things like, I disagree with. At some point, I'm going to disagree with everybody. Uh, even, even with Jesus Himself, I might find things that are really hard for me to stomach or for really hard for me to accept. You know, it's there's just he's just he's just saying very very bold things. I mean, he's the one that I actually do want to agree with on everything. He's the one that I'm actually going to take the time to. Okay, he's saying this, and this is it's other things going on in my life. So how do I reconcile the two? You know, how do I make sense of how I think or what I feel? Um, that actually came up in a. In a group, in a, in a chat group that I'm a part of, or a group, a group chat that I'm a part of, where somebody was asking for people's opinions on a subject, and some people were saying, "This is what I think." Some people were saying, "This is what I feel," or "This is what I think God, you know, means when He says this." And my whole, when it was my turn, I, of course, I, I had to give them a really long rant, but. 
essentially I said, um, it's okay to think one thing or it's okay to believe one thing or another. But ultimately, if we're, if we're claiming Christ, then Christ has to be a part of the conversation because that would, in that process, that's what acknowledge him in all your ways would look like. So it's not a matter of this is how I think, this is what I feel, this is my opinion on, this, on the subject, but ultimately everything has to be brought to submission to Christ. All of our ideas, all of our thoughts, because that's what it, essentially, that's what boils down to carrying your cross, carrying your cross daily, where and denying, denying yourself, mm-hmm. exactly, denying yourself, but in order for our minds to be renewed, there has to be a change. There has to be a an openness to what what God is saying or what He's already said in Scripture. So, so what I had said was, yeah, like we can think this or or say that, but what matters most is okay. Let's look at what the Scripture says, and it, and we can't just leave it there. You can't just leave it at like, well, this is what the Bible says, because that's not going to do you any good if you don't understand what it's saying or what it means. Right. Because if you look at, um, John three and Jesus talking to Nicodemus and he's straight out like Hmm. clowning on him. He say, how can you being the teacher of all Israel? You don't understand. These are earthly things. How do you expect to understand heavenly things? So that's the biggest, uh, Talking about the conscious yeah. and the subconscious, yeah. or the the as we were speaking a few episodes ago, the the unseen and the seen world, and how yeah, there's a lot more there's a lot more going on to yeah. And on uh, yesterday we we were watching Polar Express, and at the end, I forget who said it, but it was something to the effect that it's the things that we don't see that are, that are the most real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, really quick, just going back to Trump, the whole Trump thing, because what I've gotten to, I guess how I view Trump now is he's essentially, he's exposing people for what they are, whether they like them or they don't like them, like him or don't like him. I think he's just exposing our hypocrisy because who was it uh, recently? I believe it was Bette Midler. She tweeted out something like a rant and it was like, an, like the first half was in all caps about impeachment and that Trump is unfit and he's, uh, he's um, immoral and he's disgusting. And he's, he's, she was, she's had this laundry list of, of things that she was describing Trump as all his trans transgressions. Yeah. And then, to the re- the the responses, the replies to that, were, it was like dead on. Like there was a bunch of them of her sitting next to Harvey Weinstein, or there was you know people saying, "Okay, you're calling Trump crazy, but you sound like a crazy lady doing it." <laughs> <laughs> so I mean that, that's what I'm saying. Like it's it's just sad that we're at the point that we can't even have a. You know what that makes me think about? What? I forget which book it is, but it's it, uh, it's in 
New Testament. And all I all I was imagining when you were describing her and, and I'm sure others that are vicious and are are exemplifying that very character there. All I was imagining was someone in in the what how is it said in the pit of fire with not with not with not um the teeth um gosh, gnashing of teeth gnashing of teeth mm-hmm. for whatever reason that's what I thought about and anytime I think about when people become so righteous in a sense self righteous and want to cast stones it's interesting because that's really what I think about now at this point right it's it's as though like you said I think Trump, like you said Trump is exposing it and I, and I see that in a lot of ways and and I think that was for me the the nail to the coffin mm-hmm. the final nail in the coffin the final nail to the coffin that was what it was for me only because I would say I'm similar in this way not to that extent, but in being the contrarian in the room. Contrarian, mm -hmm. I think to me that... It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's a lot more more, uh, easier to pass the time when you're questioning everything. Yeah. And and, and obviously, in a way, it's it's as productive as possible, and and hopefully it is, and something comes out about... Something positive or something... Because you can really test someone's ideas, you can test your own ideas. Like right. it's just, it's a really good ex- exercise. And I Definitely. think to me, that was what I saw more than anything else. Mm. You saw the flaws. You see the. Sometimes he can't contradict himself, but I think what what it was for me and what we're seeing played out, what we have been seeing, be played out in the last three years, and now moving into the fourth year is, like you said, there's an it's people's true natures are being exposed everyone's being exposed everyone mm-hmm. exactly and i think that's i think that's a well um said point and i'm i'm totally on because like, on like that, i told yeah. you i'm not a trump guy but i get it right i don't agree with his policies or his <laughs> his approach or like you know where he stands and whatnot but i understand the f- the fear people have with if 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 somebody like Bernie gets elected or somebody like Hillary or what have you, yeah, I, I get it. I mean, it's easier just to look at it that way, you know. What's funny is that what I what what I just thought about right now is we have such a liberally progressive society. Why do we need a liberally progressive president? Because we need to create a true balance in 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 the same balance way. Of power. Yeah, like it, the balance of powers in in the executive, the legislative, and the judiciary. I can't say that right. Judiciary. Judiciary. I think in the same way we need to have that balance when it comes to the federal government and state government, and then. You boil that. You boil that down to the local level. I think in this way, it's almost, you know, like we're balancing. We're keeping our 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 one foot in order and one foot and one foot chaos. We're 
we're riding the snake that's that's oscillating and we're we're being we almost got like whiplash at some points in in these last four years and we're we're dealing with ptsd from um, some of these you know larger events or you know bigger clashes and you know we were talking about a little bit on over messages of christianity today and and just some of the influences that we were talking about and, and how it's being nudged in, in a certain direction and you know you're starting to see how this all plays out in people's lives and for me at the end of the day what it boils down to is is like you said earlier when you were on that group chat is if we're claiming Christ then we need to be in obedience to what we're hearing and, and abide in God and, and God in us and allow the word to allow the word to influence us essentially because that's the only way out of all this and obviously the the hard part about it is the truth the truth and and I think that's what you're alluding to in that in that regard when you're saying everyone's being exposed the truth is coming out we're all right being, we're all being exposed all of us day in and day out right it's like um in the entertainment industry or any left-leaning industry i guess put it that way group it's just really hard to ignore it's really hard to ignore the overwhelming voice that they have where it's it's not even I don't know where it shifted, but it's not even just, I think we talked about it too, you and I, it's not just the, the media that they're creating, movies, songs, TV, like all their content is leaning that way. It's, it's a message that's being preached, right? But then it's, uh, and then it's everyone as an individual bringing their ideas to light bringing their you know what I mean like their their cause or their agenda to light and that's why I understand why people say yeah we're it feels like we're being programmed or being nudged to think a certain way to act a certain way to accept certain things Um, because even this is a this is a post I saw of a tweet today and it made me going back to Trump and people being exposed and, and I get to me saying, I feel like with, with the leadership, I, I forget who, I don't know who to give the credit to for saying this, but essentially the, the minority is essentially swaying and, nudging the majority to think and act a certain way mm-hmm. yeah whether or not we like them whether or not we agree with them but anyways this was a post i saw today and it was a it was actually a tweet and <laughs> it was a tweet that said this is just a to like kind of maybe put a putting a bow on everything we're saying about politics and and uh the, the train of thoughts or the the way people lean um, 
So this is what it, this is what I saw. This is what it said. Last time I checked, Congress had an approval rating of nine percent. To put this in perspective, Umar Gaddafi had an approval rating of thirteen percent, and his people drug him out into the streets and killed him. <laughs> I mean, of course, most of us don't want it to get to that, you know, to that extreme, to that level of but come on chaos. But that says a lot. Just people need to pay attention to what's going on. That's all I got to say. <laughs> gotta better. Say. And it, and so. it's, yeah. I mean, you can say uh, we're, we're seeing that in, 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 in much, uh, much different forms with council culture and, you know, find who's funding them and um, crowds coming to where they live or where they're eating or, you know, you see attacks on some of the public figures or politicians or anyone who, who people don't agree with on the majority front. I mm-hmm. mean, you're seeing that in some way, but it's certainly not uh, not execution style. It's just more of a character assassination mm-hmm. and don't know what's worse, but certainly we're seeing... We're certainly seeing the work of the Antichrist, Satan, kill, steal, destroy. Yeah, like, what was it? Um, There is no original thought. There's always an origin to what we're hearing or what we're thinking. We're always being swayed one way or another. That makes sense, right? He's, He's described as the father of lies. And it's, I think that's what's, like, again, we've kind of been beating this dead horses. That's, that's the, the, the story that we're telling one another. We're, we're seeing good versus evil from both sides. Mm. We're judging or speaking on on others characters and all their flaws and I think we all can agree we're all flawed but it's a willingness for someone to admit that they do that it's a it, I think where we need to get to is a, a, a as a society a willingness to to own up to those flaws and those Misgivings. Remember, that's what I was talking about last. I think it was last time. I'm talking about the baseball players. And right. How yeah. The steroids. The and, ones that that had the press conference not, yeah. and said, "You know what? I made a mistake. I made a, it was a you know, bad judgment call." The people that actually owned up to it, they were actually forgiven, like on the spot. Immediately. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's like, oh, go ahead and go play baseball again. Well, we understand, but the guys that were in front of Congress and the Senate hearings and they're you know, I, I plead the fifth. Like those guys, yeah, they they're still not in the Hall of Fame for a reason. And it's I I forgot what we were talking about earlier a few minutes ago, but I think we we know when what is it? I just thought um, sometime, but I I think we know when there is a lie, like the Trojan horse. Right, you were talking about we were talking about the logos. Yeah, I mentioned the logos. Yeah, 
And I think to me, what I see as our current day Trojan horse is when someone's communicating a criticism or an opinion about a, 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 a topic or a person and there's an element of that truth as the physical Trojan horse, but within that truth are the lies and, and jabs and the soldiers that are hiding to get into your mind to kind of populate themselves. And the lies then take form in your ideas and you've got these half-truths or half-lies or however you want to say it. And I think we know when that's happening in a sense, but we just kind of allow ourselves to be exposed to that and and not defend and and I think we see that in how people communicate through various you know forms whether that's podcasts or media or books or new or newsletters and whatnot or um, magazines and articles and it's just like it's hard to divide the word right well it's it's uh how would I call it it's getting a lot more challenging to say what things are. So when you said that, for whatever reason, I thought of uh, South Park, a conversation that Kyle, one of the kids, has a has a conversation with his dad, and his dad's trying to explain how things work in society, in American society, and he's like, "Look, we have a left leaning, a liberal." media a left-leaning liberal political elite and they're the ones that make the laws and these laws say what we can't what we're allowed to say what we're what we can and cannot say and what we're allowed to to do and he's like and this is how it is and then the kyle the son his son's like isn't that fascism <laughs> and he's like the dad's like no because we don't call it that He's like, do you understand? And then the the, the son's like, he's like, do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, exactly. like yeah. South Park, the South Park's commentary on yeah. or just what you said reminded me exactly that. Where it's like, no, no, it's this isn't wrong because we're we're just not saying that it's wrong, so it's okay. Abortion isn't murder. We're we're not calling it that. It's not. It's not a baby. It's not a fetus. It's just a clump of cells. Right, and then what the argument for um, what is it for the argument for gay marriage was? Oh well, we just want this people to have this isn't going to lead same, to anything else. Yeah. and now we're we've quickly are seeing what we see today, and 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 that, and yeah, like even like in in my political circles of people that I listen to or follow. Their their whole thing is going to be, and the problem is, the government wanting more and more power because it said before this wasn't an issue because the church is the churches were the ones that handled handled marriages the whole like marriage counseling, the practice of marriage, the licensing like the official like document the the record keeping not licensing excuse me record keeping and what have you like that the the presiding officials that was all the church the government had nothing to do with it and so yeah it makes sense that if the government takes takes all that into account and they're the ones essentially taxing us for it or 
giving us the licensing and the you know uh, registration or whatnot then yeah like they have to it's because it's a it's a government they have to they have to make sure that everybody everybody's voice is heard whereas before every church was handling it their own way yeah i mean it makes sense why we need to have separation of church and state because in a lot of ways it's it's church and you know you can say religion you know we can say for us christianity that's essentially how we're we're living out our lives right and we're we're finding the the rights that are inalienable inalienable to uh, us as hum, as humans or as um beings as man and and woman and government's responsibilities to ensure those are being protected and you know justice should be blind to the perpetrator and the victim and you know we're innocent innocent and proven until proven guilty and you know all these very fundamental principles and the more that we put power into government like you're saying the less of an influence the church has on our daily lives or just people in general individuals yeah. yeah yeah whether you believe or not because the influence being taken away will obviously we we can see how quickly we we devolve and granted there are certainly um the, the what was it, the Latter-day Saints they found that they've been uh, misusing or mishandling billions of dollars of, of of tithing money. There's that big scandal going on. I didn't hear about that. Yeah, they're essentially they were given tithings right from their members, and then they put that into a separate account to generate funds. But then that those funds were never given to you know feed their appropriate yeah ministries or appropriate wow programs and whatnot. And wow. it's like billions of dollars that that's been that has been misused. And oh boy, you know. You see that and, and what's going on with some of the priests and the child abuse scandals and, you know, it's, it's just, it's it's sad to see these institutions being eroded from the inside out. But like you said, I think in a lot of ways we're at this point in our timeline where I think these sorts of malice or, or these sorts of um, evil actions are being exposed. And what's unfortunate for for a lot of reasons is that the blame will obviously be placed on God or whatever other blame they want to point to. And I think that's where where we should be able to stand firm whoever that we is whoever is included in that we because we have this is so complicated because I think we've we've come to a, a place and in, in especially in the US where we have so much liberty and freedom and you know there's there's so much success to be to to be seized right you you've heard that that cycle or that um, that idea that 
that hard times create a strong people, but that strong people bring about good times. Which create weak people. Which create weak people. And it's because of weak people that we go back to hard times. I think we're at the weak people. Hard time. Creating a hard time. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Because I think we've discussed this during Bible study about how we have, like you said, we have so many liberties, so many rights. We don't even know what to do with them. So let's find something to complain about. It's like you're going through your walk-in closet. I mean, uh, we, we kind of need Thanksgiving to be like a month. shoes to wear. Yeah, we need Thanksgiving to be a monthly reoccurring holiday, probably. I don't know, to get us to the point where... Um, there was another really good quote I saw today that said something in regards to if you keep asking why isn't somebody doing anything about this you're failing to recognize that maybe you're that somebody Mm -hmm. so a lot of times it's like stop waiting on the government stop waiting on your church stop waiting on so and so to tell you what to do Mm -hmm. and if it's really something that you're you're passionate about it's really something that's on your mind you just need to go and do it go and do it and you know start creating start start a podcast like Gabriel and Lee at the crossroads hey how's it going everyone welcome to the podcast that reminds me so I took this I don't know what it was like a course but there was a, a part of it where we had to create what was it it was like a personal leadership mission statement, but mm-hmm. there was something more specific where it was like, what is it that like invigorates you? Um, let's see if I can find it real quick, real, real, real quick. Something about, yeah. Oh man. Where is it? Gosh. I don't know where it is. You know, I think I know where it is now. Spark question. So it says to create a spark question. Basically what what it's looking at is something you have been thinking about and care about that gets you in the gut. That really Mm. just moves you. Moves you in a way that you got to You want to do something about it and you want to you want to, you know, go out and and get others involved and you know right yeah something that gets you in the gut it's, it's like the spark that lights up within you and it, you're like you know what like this is my cause this is my mission this is my my purpose in life and actually I was visiting my mom today and we were watching uh, Dr. Phil and they had um, this guy who has a podcast um, that's about those who are wrongly convicted yeah I did I did remember seeing that one and he used to be like a music producer yeah. yep. or something to that regard. And he helped, uh, like he had like 50 some people get out of jail. What's your name? Knox, Amanda Knox, some, some Amanda chick, Knox? right? The, well, the one that was arrested in Italy and was accused of, Oh, I don't know about that one. Was, wasn't she on there today too? You saw you were watching it too. What was a replay? Oh, and sometimes I, at work it's, it's, it's on. on. Yeah. Yeah. There was a woman that was there. I don't remember exactly what it was, but, or who she was. I, she I know was wrongfully... That, yeah, wrongly uh, convicted. Her convicted. friend was murdered, but it wasn't her. Right. Um, but yeah, so... 
for him, that's what it was. He decided, you know what? I, I deeply care about this and I see no one else doing something about it. So I'm going to put my neck out there and expose what is, what's being, um, what's, what, what, um, wrongs are being committed in our justice system and, you know, helped, has helped out 50 plus people. I think it was him and Dr. Phil and I forget what other group. I don't know if you remember during the episode, they were talking about Rodney Reed. Yeah. And that they got the, like he's still, I think he's still incarcerated, but they got him off of death row. Wow. Yeah. They prevented that the whole thing. So now it's like his case has to be reviewed, reviewed or retried. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was really interesting because I, th- I forget what my mom said, but it really made me think like, huh, I should, I, I don't have an opinion about the, about the death penalty, but it really put me in a position where I, I, I need to figure out what to think about it because obviously there could be individuals that are wrongfully put to death for mm-hmm. a crime they, they did not commit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's certainly not what we want to see in our, in our justice system as flawed as it is. Should we have it? I don't know. You know, if we, if we, I don't know. What do you think? I, I haven't really, I don't know if you ever think about it, but I certainly have not de- developed an opinion about it or a pers- perspective on it. You were, you were just talking about how much power do you want to give the government? There you go. So that obviously plays a part with the capital punishment or the death penalty and how many like what's the criteria what's the the rules the regulations the processes of how you go about should this person be tried for murder you know or try not tried for murder but tried as as uh, under the death penalty there's a possibility um, I don't know I have my my pros and cons I guess but yeah I think it's mostly geared around how much power do you want to give the government and how how is this going to deter people that are wrongfully convicted from going into the death row? I think yeah. it's, it's like, like I'm, uh, I think I've recently started leaning more towards no for that, for that reason. Um, and then there's other times where I hear about crazy news story. I don't know if you've seen the, the crazy news stories of like, Families walking on the sidewalk in New York, and I, th- I guess it happens in Riverside too. But families are walking on the s- sidewalk in the street in the broad daylight, and somebody pulls up in a van and they try to snatch their kids. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, should we have room for people like, like that that are being involved in human trafficking, sex trafficking, child exploitation? I don't know. Like that's what I'm saying. Like it, it's really hard to just just say yes or no. Like a clear, clear cut yes, clear cut no. But something you said made me think about how we have opinions or we make judgments, judgment calls. But I think this is something that we've forgotten. Going back to the whole political arena, political um, division, so to speak, in the culture, but. That's another thing too that I've been. It's been. It struck me how 
we go about our interactions or conversations as though we can't change our opinions or we can't change our judgment calls. We can't change mm-hmm. what we believe or how we think. Where, like you're saying, like there's no. We're going about it as though everything's written in stone, and we're not. We're not aware, or conscious of. Everybody has a pencil, and you're able to erase what you wrote down, what you thought initially, and then. Go for that's why you're saying like it's it's a good thing to. To ask questions, it's a good thing to. To it's a good thing to even say I don't know. Like, it's funny, like, just watching, I was watching, what was I watching on TV the other day at work? There was some show, and, like, they're going about, I think we talked about this a little bit, too, not too long ago, but it was talking about little white lies, and how people use little white lies to, like you said, like, oh, it's a surprise, or I don't want them to know yet, or what have you, and it's like... We're doing this over really dumb, <laughs> over really dumb things, like dumb, insignificant things. Or it's like, why don't you just like Peterson saying, why don't you just speak precisely? Or what's wrong with telling the truth? Like again, like the more the more lies you come up with, the more you have to remember your lies mm-hmm. to cover up what you're trying to cover to cover up the truth. Um, what was I? What was my point in all this? Yeah, I just, I just don't understand. I think I sent you that post not too long ago about how it's okay to just don't look at it when your interactions, don't look at it as a debate or as an argument, but just look at it as an exchange of ideas and a, it's a process. Like you're saying, like, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to hear each other out, to hear the, cause I, yeah, cause I've even thought of it too. I'm like, well, with everything that's going on, the culture and politics and whatnot, when when are the adults going to step into the room? I think Adam Carolla said that at a Congress hearing with, I think it was him and Ben Shapiro and it might have been Dennis Prager. But he was saying, he was talking essentially about the PC culture, SJW culture. And he was saying, he's like, look, these millennials, they don't have the wisdom or the life experience to make these judgment calls he's like at some point like yeah like they have a valid opinion they have valid things to say but at the same time he's like look the, at some point the adults need to step up they need to step into the room and make sense of all this and clear clear out the confusion clear out the bicker the bickering the resentment the bitterness the the hostility so to speak and yeah, we all need to be adults here. This is interesting, like, like people that are. It's a comedian. He's the one trying, trying to make sense trying of to reason. Yeah. yeah, trying to be reasonable. I mean, that's that's what. Uh, I think that's why we have comedy and the comedians. Role, the role of the jester, right? Yeah. Was it? Was it the scene? We know what we're allowed to get away. We know how far things can go with what the king allows the jester to get away with. We all have to be, and 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 in that way, in that light, I think we all have to be willing to be fools. Right. At some point, you have to play the role of the fool. It's your first job. It's your first game. It's your first. 
We all are a fool. I'm the new kid in school. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because wasn't it Peterson that said that recently? We were reading something in regards to don't always be the wise man. Don't always try and play the wise person. Don't always try to be the wisest person in the room. Something, um, yeah. Something to that effect. Yeah, it, it goes back. It goes to that. Um, it speaks to the question of do you want to be the smartest person in a room full of dumb people or the dumbest person? The dumbest in the person room. in the room full of smart people. Yeah. Smart people. Yeah. Definitely dumbest of the smartest. Just be quiet and just listen and take it all. <laughs> take it all. How does it go? Uh, it is better to. Not speak, and be thought of a fool. Of, and be thought of a fool, and, and but to speak and remove doubt. There you go. Remove all doubt. Yeah, that's per- that's perfect. That was beautifully. I think uh, Lisa Simpson said that. Oh, did she? Wow, she's a philosopher. Uh, she, a philosopher? Uh, I think at some point maybe. I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> I mean, Simpsons is pretty genius. Are you gonna watch it? Are you gonna start watching it at one and a quarter speed? I don't know. That's what was recommended, right? Was it really? Yeah, I remember uh, JP says that in his last chapter, I think. About being, the the whole being Oh, thing that's right, the, yeah, to, to watch it at one half speed, yeah. Because he likes to, he finds it funny and he, he still gets a lot out of it. Get, get, get through the episodes a lot quicker, too. <laughs> yeah. All right, good, sir. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. This is supposed to be our our Merry Christmas episode, yep. and it turned into a blue chair rant. It, no, it, it, it's all it, good though. This is our present for you for Christmas. Yes, but you probably won't listen to this until like mid, mid next year. So, someone comes back to us twenty twenty three. That was a great episode, oh man! My gosh, <laughs> best Christmas present ever. Remember when Trump was president? Oh no, he he might still be president, huh? It could be in three years. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. The fate of the world is in your hands. In whose hands? Just in your hands. The whole world. <laughs> Talking about the song? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, folks. Like, share, subscribe. New episode out every Monday. Um, please let, let us know what you think about in the comment section below. What you think about the show and what we're discussing. If you have anything you want to share with us in the comment section below. And hopefully we'll be on, on different um, platforms. But for now, we're going to stick to the YouTube and we're going to keep this rolling. Sounds good. All right, Lee. I'll see you next time at the Crossroads. At the Crossroads. Live from the RM Studios in Tustin, California. At the Crossroads with Gabriel and Lee.